Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. You guys good? Awesome. How many people care that it's spring break? Only a few. How many people remember caring that it was spring break? If you remember at some point in life being like, it's spring break. How many people didn't know it's spring break? Anybody? Didn't even know. That makes sense. Makes sense. It is spring break, and uh, I'm, I'm excited. My family and I today, when church is over, are getting in our 12-passenger van, and we're going to start driving. Uh, we're going to be with our Toronto location next Sunday. So we're driving cross-country. It's going to be... Uh, it's going to be awesome. We're looking forward to it. I'm excited. And gas prices are such that it might be more expensive than flying. We thought it'd be great, a little more economical than flying, but uh, it's going to be a little more expensive. Looking forward to it. It's going to be great. You know, I, uh, today I'm pretty excited about this message. I, I really do feel like God wants to speak something uh, from the Bible to us today. And uh, you might say, well, that's not that unique. That's not that odd that uh, you would say that because you typically say stuff like that. It's true. And, you know, I've just found God to, to meet me faithfully in this when I open the Word with expectation. Uh, I have been uh, consistently preaching the Word now for over 20 years. This week I turned 40, uh, this coming week, okay? So, I, like, half of my life I have been opening up God's Word and doing my best to diligently teach it. And I, I would have, have preached thousands of times. I, I, I was thinking the other day, like, I think I've preached in at least 25 countries. Uh, there's no place better than just being at home preaching. And, uh, and in, in the course of that, there are some repeated introductions. Okay, there's some repeated stories. If you've been around Vivid a while, you might know, like, oh, I think I know where he's going with this. And, and, and some of that is completely intentional. It's okay to tell the same story twice, okay? It's all right to have, have a joke that maybe lands a few different ways. But today I thought I would start this message with my very favorite sermon introduction. Does that sound okay? Come on, can I do that? My favorite sermon introduction, because we're going to die. Oh, it's going to be so good. You're going to be ready. Are you ready? This is my, of all, of all the messages, my very favorite introduction to any sermon ever. Are you ready? All right, everyone open your Bible. That was it. That was it. That was the whole illustration. It's my favorite introduction to any message. There's just nothing like open the Word of God. Open up your Bible, the book of Ephesians, if you would. The book of Ephesians, we're going to read together in our Therefore series. Someone's still waiting, thinking, oh, he was joking. There's going to be an introduction. I was not joking. There is no introduction. I just want to open the Bible, okay? Book of Ephesians, if you have your Bible, uh, turn to chapter 6, if you would the end of the book of Ephesians. And uh, we're going to do something we don't typically do, but uh, there's some nostalgia to it and there's some power to it. Specifically today, I would like for you to stand for the reading of God's Word, if you would. Would you stand today for the reading of God's Word? About four people got nostalgic and like, whoo, that feels like the old days. This is actually kind of how I grew up. Typically at the beginning of a message, you'd stand up while somebody read the scripture. So today we're standing for the word of God. Ready? Ephesians chapter six, starting at verse 10. Are you ready? Yes. Oh, come on. Are you ready? Yes. I know it's a time change, but are you ready? Yes. Okay. It says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and having done everything, to stand." Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. 
Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Jesus, today, with this in mind, our hearts and our prayers turn to you. I ask that you would cause our minds to be alert, that you'd give us perspective of seeing the world the way you see it, that you'd help us today to be obedient to what your word says. And we we take this word seriously today. We're also praying for all those who believe in our city, in our nation, around the world. Today, I pray that your church would be encouraged and that it would be an encouragement to the world around it. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. And uh, while you're seated, why don't you put your hands together for Jack, who so faithfully has been up here just rocking those keys this whole time. Amazing. So we're in a series called Therefore. Used 442 times in Scripture, this challenge, this linking word challenging us from what has just been called to the appropriate response that is being set. Often it is a call to faith. It's a call to action. It's a call to, to stand up against challenge, to, to uh, synthesize what is true and put it into practice in our life. And when we obey, therefore, our life gets simplified. It really is simplified. It doesn't necessarily make life easier, but it does make it more simple. This particular uh, passage of Scripture comes at the end of the book of Ephesians. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, which is a pretty significant church. Uh, I've been enjoying in this season, maybe more than anything else that we're doing as a church, one of the things I'm just loving is we have, uh, we've launched something called Vivid College. And every Wednesday night, I'm gathering together with a group of people as we are studying a little more in depth through the book of Acts. This week, guys, little heads up, we're talking about the church in Ephesus. Uh, or this coming week. We got spring break. Okay. But uh, the book of Eph- uh, the church in Ephesus is a significant church. A lot of great things happen there. It's at the church in Ephesus that Paul arrives, and there's about 12 people who believe, and he gathers together. He goes, man, how good's the Holy Spirit, right? And they go, ah, don't know what you're talking about. He goes, what? You don't know what I'm talking about. What do you know? And they're like, well, we just know Jesus. We got baptized. He's like, oh, guys, you're missing out on the fullness of what God has for you, and he lays hands on them, and they're filled with the Spirit, and they become this vibrant church that that lives in the midst of incredible conflict. Do you know vibrancy and, and life and vitality often happens in the presence of great conflict? And at the end of this book of Ephesians, Paul uses the word finally. It's like, here's my conclusion I'm linking it all together. I've heard it said before that if you really only had one of the books in the New Testament to give a description of of all that you need to grow in faith, Ephesians would be a pretty good place to start. Be a pretty great book. You get a, a, a succinct description of the Christian walk. It is in this passage of Scripture when Paul says, finally, he's saying this, finally, in light of all that God has done for you, in light of all the glorious standing that you now have as the children of God, in light of this great plan of the ages that God has made you a part of, in light of the conduct that God has called you to as believers, in light of the plan for Christian maturity and growth that he's given us, in light of the filling of the Spirit that we're walking out in, in light of all of this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Finally, in light of all of this reality, it's time that you and I strengthen ourselves. It's time that we are strong and that we find our strength, not in striving, that we find our strength, not not in our pedigree, that we find our strength, not in who you know. Have you ever heard someone say that? It's not what you know, it's who you know. He goes, well, well, in, in this, the real importance is that you and I find our strength in this, in the Lord and in his mighty power. This, this, is like, this is like the armed forces type language. Finally, be strong. You are going to put on the armor of God, as we just referenced and we're going to look at today. But, but before you can put on the armor of God, you've got to be strong. You've got to go through some basic training. Can you touch your toes? Can you do a pull-up? Can, can you run from here to there? This is like a, a challenge to some basic training. Find some strength. 
Be determined. Exert yourself. Put, put your energy into being strong in what? In the Lord and in his mighty power. I love that he uses might and power. You might say, oh, he's just a, a great linguist, just flowery in his language. No, they, they mean something a little bit different. The word might, it means potential reserve of strength. Have you ever seen somebody like, well, that person like, certainly has great potential. Isn't it funny that great potential actually often is like a way to kind of backhandedly say that someone's not really doing what they ought to do? I'm not talking about that type of potential. I'm talking about you, you see a person, you're like, ah, oh, they've lifted stuff. You know, there might be that person at the gym that's worked on their cut, but then you see someone like, oh, that guy's lifted boxes before. That guy can move stuff. He's moved pianos. Might, it speaks to a reserve of strength. It speaks to a deep well, a capacity of power. It speaks to the ability to meet whatever challenge is presented to it. But the word power is that might actualized. It's that might put into practice. It is like the kinetic form. And so here Paul is saying this, you can find your strength when you recognize the might and the power that God has. That you can actually see yourself in this picture when you understand that God has incredible reserves of strength and he's putting the incredible reserve of his, his might powerfully into work in your life. Your strength doesn't come in striving. Your strength doesn't come in just acquiring more knowledge. Your strength doesn't come in trying harder. Your strength comes in the mighty power of God. Finally, in light of all that's just been taught, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. There is a strength that is required and expected of a believer. We might be weak in conviction sometimes, we might be fleeting in our faith sometimes, but there's a strength that God is calling us to. I want, I want to challenge you in the room. God is calling you to, to strengthen in this season, to get stronger in this season. If anyone would be so honest, anyone you feel like you've gotten weaker in one area or another since March of 2020, here we are in March of 2022, anyone feel like you've gotten weaker in an area? Yeah. Probably a lot of us in some areas. Probably some of us at some point in this last few years recognized that weakness and said, well, going to have to do something about that. Not going to let that keep happening. One pound a month is going to add up after two years. Going to have to make some adjustments to that. But, but not just physical strength. Some of us have lost our, our relational stamina. We just don't have it in us anymore. If someone says one thing that we don't agree with, we got to quote every podcast we've ever seen. We just don't have the, the, the strength of stamina to be at, at a place of grace with one another anymore. He goes, finally, guys, be strong in the Lord's mighty power. We're going to need some strength. What do, we need, what do we need God's strength for, you might ask? Just for show? Just so we know we got it? You ever, ever, ever been around that person like, yeah, I just got this. Like, oh, what's it for? Like, I don't know, just good to have it. It's nice to know I have two in case I need one. I've heard someone say that. It's nice to know that I have two in case I ever need one. This is not about superfluous power. This is not about just like, well, it's just nice to know in case I ever get myself into some sort of a pickle. It's nice to know that God's power is for me. Now, we need strength for a couple of specific things, and they're laid out here for us. What do we need strength for? To put on the full armor of God and to take our stand. If you're, if you're taking notes, I got these things underlined in my Bible. Be strong, put on, and take your stand. Be strong, put on the full armor of God, and take your stand. I, I love the, this thought. The armor of God is not just the armor that God has prepared for us, Imagine it this way. It's God's actual armor. Look at, look at this. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 59, we'll come back to Ephesians. So, so leave a, a bookmark in there. Leave your thumb in there. 
Maybe ask your, your neighbor to help you out, and they can put their thumb in there if that helps in some way, shape, or form. But check this out. Uh, Isaiah chapter uh, 59, 59, and uh, verse 13. Are you good? Man, I, I sent you to the wrong place, guys. I needed to leave a bookmark in there because I just have it written in my margins. But we got patience. We got patience. Uh, Isaiah 59, 17. 17, I should say. It's worth it. It's going to be worth the journey. Check this out. Speaking of uh, the armor of God that we are called to put on, it says this. Verse 17. Speaking of God, he put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head, and he put on a garment of vengeance and wraps himself in zeal as in a cloak. I love this picture that God is not just calling us to put on armor he's prepared for us. He's like, oh, you can use mine. The breastplate of righteousness, which is his, the helmet of salvation, here, here. You can use mine. I remember when I was about, about 12 years old, I had grown enough that I was starting to get hand-me-downs from my dad. It was a great feeling. I had to tell everyone around. Like, someone's like, oh, nice sweatpants. I'm like, yeah, they were my dad's. <laughs> I remember I was at summer camp, and it came up twice in conversation. And on the second time, my camp counselor was like, you already said that. And I was like, aw. <laughs> it's still cool, though. This is God's invitation that we get to dress in his armor. Well, how can I find strength in the might of God? Well, it starts by this, put on his armor. Do the things that God does. Do the things that God has been an example in doing. If you're trying to find, where do I find my strength? Look at Jesus. Follow the example of Jesus. He wants to teach us to stand up under temptation the way he does, for instance. It says this, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. Can someone say take a stand? Come on, can someone say take a stand? So you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You and I are called to stand up, not just for what we like, not just for our opinion, not just, you know, I stand with this group or with that group. or with, I stand up against the devil's schemes. Now, this word stand, in order for us to understand its power, we're going to need to do a little bit of study, okay? Can we do that together today? We came to church to learn today, to put it into practice today. This word stand is a, a common theme in Scripture. If you like taking notes, I'm going to give you some references that you can look up, okay? Romans chapter 5 and verse 2 says that we stand in God's grace. I want to propose to you and I that one of the, the greatest schemes of the devil would be to convince us against the grace of God. It would be to undermine grace. Why is it that we stand in grace? Because the devil is trying to undermine grace in your life. Well, how does the devil undermine grace in your life? Bitterness? Unforgiveness? Pride? Shame? The, the, the religion that other people might put on you? The, the, the weight of expectations that you feel exists on you that causes you to turn and blame and judge? You and I need to learn to stand in grace because the enemy is attacking grace. When he says, stand against the devil's schemes, it's like, well, what schemes are they? There's one of them. He wants to rob people of a, a, a perspective of grace. The moment we step out of grace, we start uh, cheapening the gospel. We start getting proud that we're saved. We start diminishing the work that Jesus did on the cross. And we are, are, are turning God into a sideshow. He goes, no, you got to stand in the grace. It's unearned. It's undeserved. We, don't, we didn't, we didn't uh, convince God to love us. He extended his love to us, and he poured out his grace. In uh, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1, it says we stand in the gospel. We stand in the gospel. We stand for the gospel. What is the gospel? That, that God died for sinners once for all. The righteous died for the unrighteous. 
And I stand on that reality. I stand on that truth. If God can save me, he can save anyone. And it is his heart and his desire that none should perish and all could come into relationship with him. So we stand for the gospel. Well, why is this so important? Because the devil has schemes against the gospel. The devil has been scheming for, for generations for millennia against the gospel, to diminish the message of the gospel. You see it from the earliest church. Those of you who are in the book of Acts course, you know what we're talking about. From the very beginning, the church is like a day old, and they're conflicting over things. It's not that old. It's expanding. It's growing into new regions. And all of a the sudden, there's these disputes over cultural issues that have nothing to do with the gospel, and one culture fights against another culture, and, and they have issues against a, another way of, of thinking. And it's always been the, the battle of men and women surrendered to God to say, no, 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 let's get Jesus back at the center of this. That's the center of, of, of this is what unifies us. This is what draws us together, not our perspectives, not our old ways of thinking. First uh, Corinthians 16, 13 says we stand in courage. Come on, someone's got to stand up in courage. You, you struggle with discouragement. You find yourself, when there's some bad news, you internalize it as if it is your reality. You are, you're like, you know, uh, uh, you feel like you're a magnet for negativity. Why is it that everyone's always dumping their stuff on me? It could just be the scheme of the devil to rob you of courage. So we stand in courage. Finally, be strong in the Lord's mighty power. He's got armor fitted for you to help you to stand up against the scheme to rob you of courage. He's got armor for you. He's got strength for you. He's got, got a, a, a call for you. Check this out. Uh, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 24, it says we stand in faith. We stand in faith. Do you know what I, I found in my life when, when my faith is weak? I need to get around someone who's got stronger faith than I do. And, and there's something about it. It helps me to stand. There's just something about it. In the book of, uh, of Psalm, chapter 1, it says, Blessed are those who walk together. And it says, but not those who walk with the wicked. They, they, if you walk with the wicked, you end up standing with sinners, and then you end up sitting with mockers. He's like, blessed are those who don't do that. Don't do that. You've got you to stand together with people of faith. Why? Because there's schemes against faith. There's always been. Think back in the garden. Did God really say? It is an attack and a scheme on faith. Look what this says. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says, We stand in liberty. We stand in freedom. We stand together in the freedom that, that Christ has won for us. And we're so quick to try to now uh, systematize rules around it. And so that we no longer have to have a, a sense of the, the Holy Spirit in our life, drawing us to, to self control. Instead, we look to be controlled. Why is it that we have such a hunger to be controlled? Just tell me, just so I never have to think, I never have to act, I just know what the rules are. And God's like, here's the rule, keep in step with the Spirit. Walk in step with me. Stand up in liberty. Look, look at this, uh, Philippians chapter 1 and 27 says we stand in unity. We stand together in unity. I don't even think I need to expand on the fact that there would be schemes to rob us of unity. Like, Take, take one little look at the world around us and we can see schemes trying to attack our unity. And I'm not just talking about the unity of, of citizens of the world. I'm talking about unity within the, the, within the family of God, within the church. This attack of unity. It's a scheme of unity. The Bible says this, just be strong in the Lord's mighty power. He's given you armor that is perfectly fit to help you to take a stand against a scheme to rob you of unity. Finally, in the book of Colossians chapter 4, in verse 12, it says we stand in the will of God. The will of God. I believe that maybe more than anything else, the devil has schemes in your life and my life to try to rob us of living in the will of God, living in the purposes of God. And when we're not in the purpose of God, we, we don't really experience the power of God. And when we're not in the purpose of God, we don't really experience the provision of God. And when we're not in the purpose of God, we don't really experience the peace of God. And we find ourselves going, I think, I guess I'm a Christian. I, I don't know. I don't know. I got no power. I got no provision. got no, no peace. I don't really feel much purpose in our life. There are schemes to try to dislodge us from God's will for our life, which is Ultimately, a, a relationship of obedience where we walk in step with him and we live in the, the pleasure of his purpose in our life. So finally, be
Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Some of us are like, man, that's just so spiritual. Don't want to be too spiritual. Have you ever, ever heard that? Like, I just, hey, look, I'm not that guy, okay? Not super spiritual. I'm not, I'm not. Why would we try to make things less spiritual? Here, here the Bible says this. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. So if you keep thinking there's just one little tweak that could happen, and if that person changed, then I would understand grace more. No, your battle's not against flesh and blood. If that person changed, then my faith would grow. No, no, your battle has nothing to do with flesh and blood. If they just stopped causing disunity, then we'd have, no, no, it's not against flesh and blood. The commentarian folks puts it this way. He said, not for us is is wrestling against flesh and blood. He says it's not just that our battle isn't with flesh and blood. It's that it's inappropriate for us to battle against flesh and blood. It's inappropriate for us to misuse the resources of the army of heaven to try to battle against flesh and blood. It's an inappropriate, ineffective, ineffectual battle. You are fighting against yourselves, and a house that's built against itself cannot stand. But we need to understand this. We are in a battle. We are in a battle. Don't you think it's kind of awesome that the call is to be strong before we stand? I think it's significant. I have probably more often than not tried to do the opposite. I've probably more often than not been like, well, I know I need to take a stand, and I hope the strength starts coming. Here the Bible, it always puts it in this order. Trust and then do. It's always trust first and then do. It's always faith followed by action. It's always confidence and peace with God followed by signs and wonders. Always that way. In fact, when David is handing his kingdom over to Solomon, he gives him this challenge in 2 Chronicles 28.10. He says, trust in the Lord and do the work. Come on, turn to the person beside you and say, trust in the Lord and do the work. Some of you, what you heard was work. Maybe they just weren't clear. Turn to the person on the the other side and say, trust in the Lord and do the work. That's always the order of operations. Oh, I see so much that needs to get done. Who's going to do something? I got to do something. We, We should do something. This is my favorite. Hey, pastor, I just want to point out something. And the church should be doing something about this. It's like, okay, cool. You're the church, right? You do something about it. Listen, trust in the Lord. (laughs) Especially as it relates to other people. It's like, man, there's so many hurting people in our city. The church should be doing something. Like, have you tried to help heal a hurting person? Right? This group is just feeling isolated. The church should do something. It, it always used to be like, we need a new program. I noticed a lot of people in church are feeling disconnected. You guys should do something about that. Sorry, that's a tangent. We're the church. But this is the order of operations. Trust in the Lord and do the work. So before he goes, God, you know you're in a battle, right? You know you're not, you got to take a stand, right? He goes, before it all, trust in the Lord's mighty power. Find some strength that comes in the Lord's mighty power. If you need, look backwards to see that strength. Look back and see the faithfulness of God. If you need, get around some people who can articulate to you the power and the faithfulness of God. If you need some help, look back through the annals of history because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Well, why do I need strength? Because you've got to put on some armor and fight. There is a battle for your soul. Ooh, are you being too spiritual? Impossible. There's a battle for our soul. Look at what it says. It says, what we do battle against, not flesh and blood. By the way, can everyone take your right hand if you would? Hold your right hand out like this. Reach over and just grab, grab your left hand and give it a little pinch. Give it a little pinch. Come on, do you feel that? That's flesh and blood. Your battle is not even just against you, okay? 
for a lot of you, you've made yourself your biggest enemy. And you stare yourself down in a mirror and you're like, you're stupid. I can't, if you just could be. And you are making yourself the enemy. You, you are, you, you're buying into the devil's scheme. And you think you can talk yourself out of bad activity, hype yourself up out of sin. Are you crazy? There is a, a scheme against your life. You can't just psych yourself into holiness. <laughs> Are you serious? Why do we do that? We, we can't just beat ourselves into submission. Submission is a willful choice when we say, man, there's something more powerful. There's a way that's higher and a, a power that is greater. I'm submitting to God. I'm going to trust him. Because the devil's got schemes for our life. It says instead we battle against this, rulers, authorities, powers of the dark world, and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I've heard people try to teach what these are. Let me explain the rulers. Let me explain the principalities. I, I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is this, that there is a strategic, organized, systematic scheme against your life. This looks like there's ranks. Like, like there are actual battle plans drawn up for you. You say, well, who am I? I'm probably not that important. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, you are a child of the king of kings. You are an heir of heaven. Not, not the ethereal matter, not heir. You are inheriting the kingdom of heaven. You have all the affection of the living God on your side, and the devil hates him, and so he'll do anything to hurt him. And if all it means is destroying your life, he's more than happy to, to oblige. For some of us, we have under-spiritualized the, the, the things we face. And maybe for fear, I wonder if that's not even a scheme of the, of the devil in itself, to try to convince you that it would be foolish to be too spiritual and just everything's practical and everything's natural and everything is explainable and, it, and there's nothing too creepy you don't want to be that weird person. Maybe we got to be a little more peculiar. Because there's, there's schemes against our life. So we need to learn to take a stand. We need to stand up for grace. Stand up for the gospel. Stand up for faith. Stand up for unity. Stand up for liberty. Stand up for the will of God in our life. It says this, therefore, this is what this therefore is linked to this challenge and call. It's linked to the, the alert bells going off. The other day, we, we were, uh, I was meeting with a, a few friends, and someone's car alarm went off, and it just kept going off for an uncomfortable amount of time to the point where I'm like, it wasn't worth paying for the car alarm. If the point was that it would draw your attention, it failed. And I wonder if for some of us, we read the Bible, we're like, I know this verse. Nice verse. No. Paul is saying this, that there, there are ranks in hell that are working together systematically to, to tr try to destroy your future. Therefore, like alarm bells ought to be going off. Therefore, you're in a battle. You're like, no, I'm, not, I'm just a believer. If you're a believer, you're in a battle. There is a spiritual battle, I believe, for the hearts and minds of the next generation. And, and, and some of us, maybe in a systematized way of looking at, at this spiritual battle, are, are of higher ranks than others, probably linked to how much white hair you have. Guess what? Our kids are at the front line of the battle, daily trying to determine how will we as a society see what truth is? What will epistemology look like for, for me and my friends? Epistemology being how we decipher what is true, how we determine what truth is. How, how will we stand up against evils that we see, and what will we classify as evil, and what will we classify as good? There's a battle. A battle. And, and the church has existed because it's never missed a generation. Think about that. We exist here today because we've never missed a generation. That, that from the time that Jesus poured out his spirit, we just never missed a generation. We've just continually, by the grace of God, been able to reach the next generation. There is a battle for every generation. And people say things like this, now more than ever. 
True. The devil's also had a couple thousand years of strategic planning to put into place to actualize in this generation. So therefore, in light of this battle that matters a lot, the, the, the strength that you and I were invited and called into, therefore, put on the full armor of God. The full armor of God. All of it. So that when the day of evil comes, which it will, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. The, the purpose for this is, is that we would have an eternal perspective that says, I will not relent and I will not stop standing on the promises of God. I will not bend my knee. I will not bow against the promises of God. I'm just going to stand. It, when, when I was young in church, we used to sing like old hymns. And, and one of them, I don't know if it, was, if it was classified as a hymn or a chorus. All I know is that it offended someone at some point, for sure, because every worship song that's ever been written has. It's offended one generation. Oh, I can't believe they're singing that song. But it was, it, was, it was like really simple. Standing on the promises of God. And it was like, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God. Hey, I will not bow my knee. I will not relent. I will not step back. I will not back down. Because the promises of God are enduring. God is always going to keep his promises. And I don't want it to be that when God comes through and keeps his promise, that I've missed it. That I'm off napping somewhere and I've missed God coming through in the way he's promised that he will do. So I put on the full armor of God so that I can stand my ground in my moment of battle. There are so many people, they feel like when you're fighting, you're a failure. Oh, it's just so hard to fight for grace. Oh, it's your battle. Imagine a soldier being like, I just feel so lame. Why'd you feel lame? Well, everyone keeps attacking me. You're in a battle. You're becoming a hero. Imagine William Wallace. He's like, guys, before we go into this battle, I just need to admit it's, it's getting a little old. I feel like such a loser. I keep having to stand up and be strong and just want to be weak sometimes. Man, we're standing because this is our day of battle. And when it's all said and done, if all we can do is look around and say, we're still standing. We're still here. We're still, then we did our job. So therefore, in light of all that God has called us to and the alarm bell saying you are in a battle, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you can stand. And then after you're done standing, you can still keep standing. We will always stand on the promises of God. So what is the full armor of God? I'm so glad you asked. Let, let me describe it to you because Paul gives it a great, beautiful, articulate description. Now this letter was written while he was in custody. This letter was written while he was chained hand and foot to Roman soldiers. I can't help but wonder if while he was writing, he's like, oh, that's what they're wearing. Check it out. He says this, put on the full armor of God. He goes then, so stand firm then with your belt, or the belt of truth, I should say, buckled around your waist. The belt of truth. Some would say the belt was not even part of the armor. It was actually under the armor. You wouldn't see the belt on the outside of the armor. You'd see it on the inside, underneath. It was a belt that held together their toga and their cloak and all that was kind of going on. Without their belt, they're not flexible. Without their belt, they're not nimble. Without their belt, they're disheveled and out of place. There needs to be a truth that surrounds us that holds it all together. You and I, before anything else, we need to get the truth right. Have you ever found that, that when, you, when you lie once, you are just setting yourself up to keep on lying? And to keep on remembering what order the lies came in and, and what's happening. It's like you're unraveling. He goes, so put on the belt of truth. Soldiers in that time, the first thing they would do when they stood up was tighten up their belt. 
They have all this heavy armor and swords and everything hanging off. And so then when they would lounge down, the first thing they would do, just like grandpa after Christmas dinner, they'd loosen their belt and relax. But not when it was time to fight. You got to stand up and before you engage in battle, you better tighten up your belt. Make sure that you're prepared. I'm telling you, this is not a time for us to lounge. This is a time to stand. So we got to tighten up the belt of truth. Get integrity right in our life. I'm so proud of people when they step out in integrity. It always hurts, and it's always awesome. Love rejoices with the truth. I'm so grateful to to be around a group of people who are willing to stand in the truth. He goes, after getting the the belt right, he says this, then, uh, take the breastplate of righteousness and make sure it's fitted in place. The breastplate of righteousness. It was The breastplate covered all of the vital organs. It was like, you know, not just a chest piece. It would have been over their whole torso, fitted in the right place. Aren't you grateful that it doesn't say the breastplate of experience? But a lot of us live like it does. Oh, I've done this before. I'm good. I got this. No, it's the breastplate of righteousness, which will always only ever be the righteousness of God exhibited on our behalf, applied to our lives. He goes, make sure it's fitted right, because it's the righteousness of God that keeps you alive. The vitality of your ability to stand strong is very quickly diminished if you're not in the righteousness of God. If you think it's in your own effort or striving, man, this battle is going to be really short, really short-lived. Imagine if a more experienced soldier said, you know what, I've been fighting for a long time. I don't think I need the breastplate anymore because I'm really good. Like It would be so counterintuitive. And so a thing that a mature soldier would never do, and yet there are some people in the name of maturity that are like, no, I'm good now. I'm good. I don't need to walk in righteousness before God. You always need holiness. And then he says this, make sure your feet are fitted with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Uh, Alexander the Great's army was able to take ground the way it did mostly because of their footwear. They had, they had great footwear. It had treads on the bottom. It was durable. It was thick. And so they were able to go farther. They were able to go faster. And they were able to go over rougher terrain. That's what happens for you and I when we make the determination we will walk in peace. We can go farther. We can go faster. We can go over rougher terrain. A person who's constantly offended and constantly having issues with everything is like a person who's trying to walk on hot sand. It's like a person who's trying to walk over sharp rocks, and no matter how strong you are, you look really stupid really fast. Right? All of us. But you fit your feet with peace, and you go, you know what? Because of the peace of God, I am above, like, I'm not going to live in constant offense. You can go farther, you can go faster, and you can go over rougher terrain. You can get through some things when you understand the peace that prepares your feet. I love it. It's the feet. Everywhere you go, everywhere I put my feet, everywhere I put my feet, I'm going to bring the peace of God. I remember, uh, I remember years ago going to Guatemala on a missions trip, and, and uh, we had limited packing space. In this particular trip, like many that I've led, I told people, you're allowed to bring one backpack. I'm not running through an airport somewhere with someone with the little wheelies. <laughs> you know, it's my dad's bag. He said it would work, and then one of the wheels is stuck, and not doing it. One backpack. So in order to keep my own commitment, I was taking one pair of shoes. And for my, my pair of shoes, I chose the black Crocs. Perfect. This was 16 years ago when Crocs, when, when Crocs were cool before they weren't cool before they were cool again. They worked for everything. I, I, laid, I laid cement foundations for houses in my Crocs and then hosed them off. I, 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 I preached in village churches in my Crocs with my dress pants and my tie. They worked for everything. The most versatile shoe. Everywhere I set my feet, I'm like, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. The Bible says this, present your feet, get your feet ready, that wherever you go, you're at peace. That you're not constantly, 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 constantly offended and bothered and put off. Man, it's like a person with a rock in their shoe. It doesn't really matter what else is going on. If you got a rock in your shoe, you can't go fast or far or handle anything. It's overwhelming and overtaking. We got to get peace right in our life. Got a belt on. You got a breastplate on. You got shoes on. But he says this, in addition, uh, take up the shield of faith 
with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. In just the next few minutes, I'm going to paint this picture, okay? It was common for them to carry a shield. Not a small shield, but a shield they could hide their whole body behind. This was a big, dominant shield that covered and protected them. But, but the scheme of the enemies of that time was to throw flaming darts and arrows towards their enemy. And those flaming darts or arrows, if they managed to get through a, a spot where the shields weren't linked together, you beside the person on your right and your left, then you would die. But even if they hit the shields, what was common is that flaming arrows would hit the shields and you would now be holding a burning piece of wood or metal, which would create chaos and would create pandemonium and it would cause lesser soldiers to drop their shields in panic because they don't want to burn and now be completely exposed. But what Paul says is something a little unique. He goes, faith is not like a typical shield because faith actually extinguishes the flame. Faith doesn't just catch the arrow and it extinguishes the flame. Faith is different, so make sure you hold on to faith. Make sure you hold on to faith because it will actually extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the enemy. It was typical that those arrows would come from every which way. Have you ever noticed in life when one thing's going wrong, everything's going wrong? Have you ever, has that just been me and Kobe? Come on. Anyone else ever noticed that? You've noticed one thing's wrong, everything's going wrong. Man, will it ever stop? Why is it always happening? Because it's flaming arrows coming from many sides. But hold the shield of faith. Just get, get really quiet in what you listen to. Listen to what God says, and you will find you're extinguishing those arrows. It says, in addition, not, not just the shield of faith, which extinguishes those, uh, those arrows, but it says also, take up the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. You've put a helmet on your head. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 8, it speaks of this helmet. I've got to show you this really quickly. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 8, speaking of the helmet, it says this, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. What is the helmet of salvation if not hope? What is the helmet of salvation if not the hope that comes? I'm not just saved, I'm safe. I'm not just saved, I am protected. My mind is protected, and so I am able to stand up against discouragement. I live in hope. I'm confident. Imagine being a soldier who had everything going but the helmet. Like, I'm completely ready as long as I'm not looking at anything. Listen, that's not hopeful. The purpose of believers is not just to hide. It's not just to hide from pain. It's not just to hide from the battle and say, I feel safe because I'm not in the... The purpose is to be able to look up and stare straight at it, knowing I'm protected. I have hope. I have hope. I can, I can stand tall and I can stand with vision. I can look right at what is trying to distract me, right at what is trying to destroy me, right at the powers and principalities and the, the demonic forces, the schemes to destroy my stand for grace, my stand for unity, my stand for faith. I can look right and I will not be discouraged. I hear so many people like, I'm just so fearful for what this means for my kids. Well, what's the future going to look like? I'm just so scared. Now you got to put on the helmet of salvation. It's the hope of God protecting your mind. Man, I, I'm, I'm scared for the devil because I'm raising some kids that are going to wreak havoc in hell. I'm scared, for the, I'm scared for the schemes of the devil. They're just not going to work. They're going to work less on the next generation than they worked on ours if we do our job right. Come on, if you're a parent in the room, you better believe that. We have, we have the hope of, of, of salvation protecting our minds. Stop giving in to fear. Stop giving in to discouragement. Take your stand. And then it says, and take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, what's kind of cool about this? It's the only one of the pieces of armor that requires practice. You don't have to practice tying your belt up. Just tie it up. I mean, when you're a kid, you have to practice tying your shoes, but we're past that. Just put the right stuff on your feet so everywhere you stand, you're standing in peace. You don't have to practice righteousness. It's a, an exchange that happens in... in the initiation of God, his righteousness for our sin. You don't have to practice faith even, really. You just need to hide in it. You just need to, to outlast the darts. You don't need to practice the, the, the hope that comes in salvation. You just need to keep on washing your mind with truth. But, but, but the, the sword you need to practice. Why is it that you can, do you, I, I wish I knew more sword fighting terms. Parry, is that one of them? Thrust, that's one, okay. Why, how is it you think that you can thrust and parry? 
in, in battle if you haven't done it in practice. So one practical thing we can do, maybe you say, well, I don't feel like my day of evil has come, but you can start practicing right now with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Hide God's Word in your heart so that when the day of evil comes, you can stand strong and you can actually go on the offensive. This is what Jesus did. When the devil tried to take him down in discouragement, he just stood on the promises of God. And with this, I, I, I close today. We got the full armor of God. You know, all of us decided what we would wear today. All of us. Some of us decided because it was just what was sitting out. Some of us were so strategic, we said it out last night. Some of us decided because we married someone who helped us decide. Some of us decided because, like, oh, this is my Sunday best. This morning, Kobe woke up and thought, Canadian tuxedo. Yep. We made, we made decisions. We all made decisions on what we would wear today. We have a choice to make. What will we wear today? Will we put on the full armor of God? And then he says this, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Until we are praying, we're not actually fighting. We're just, we're just dressing. We're just playing dress up. I know God's made me strong, and look at my armor. Woo-wee. Looks good. It's slimming. I like the way it fits. I like the way it feels. Just practicing with my sword. But when you begin to pray, you are now engaging in battle. So the Bible says pray in the Spirit, pray on all occasions, pray with all kinds of prayers. That's how we fight. That's how we fight our battle. You know, Winston Churchill said this, next to cowardice and treachery, overconfidence that leads to neglect or slothfulness is the worst of all wartime crimes. Let me read it one more time. Next to cowardice and treachery, overconfidence that leads to neglect and slothfulness is the worst of all wartime crimes. For us to say, you know, I'm doing pretty good right now. I don't feel like I'm really in much of a battle right now. And so I've stopped praying in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers because I don't feel like I really need it right now. I'm good. I'm pretty good. That's one of the schemes of the devil to get us into slothfulness and cowardice. Let's stand up. Let's take our stand. Wherever you are across the room, would you stand up with me? We're about to use our mouth to declare some truth. We're about to put into practice some things that the Bible say are true. But before we do, with everyone's heads bowed, everyone's eyes closed, let me ask you a question. If you don't know Jesus today as the Savior of your soul, then then you can't put on the righteousness as a breastplate. It's not just effort. It's not by works or else we would all be boastful that we did this. It's by the power of God in our lives. And so if that's you today and you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, even where you're standing right now, you can make this determination and say, Jesus, I give you my life. I repent of my sin. I don't want to be defined by my sin anymore. I want to receive your love and grace and be defined by that. If you pray a prayer like that, even where you're sitting, Jesus hears you and saves you. He's placing a helmet of salvation on your head, giving you hope in a hopeless time. And if that's you before you leave today, come let one of us know. We want to encourage you. you got some next steps to take. you got some next steps to take. You know what's crazy is that the person in front of you, behind you, beside you, they might have a, a nuanced scheme happening in their life, but we're all in a battle. We're all fighting, and the battle belongs to the Lord. He's our champion. He's our victory. He, he's where our help comes from. Amen. If you believe that, would you raise your hands towards heaven? Let's sing this together. And you are my champion. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. Every battle you've won. Come on, sing it out. I am who you say I am. You crown me with confidence. I am seated in the heavenly place undefeated with the one who has conquered it all. Come on, let's sing that one more time like we mean it. You are my champion. And you are my champion. Our strength comes in you. Giants when you stand Every battle you've won. I am who you say I am. You crown me with confidence. I am seated in the heavenly place undefeated with the one who has conquered it all.
The Lord has given you power in your words that when you pray, heaven hears, heaven moves. This is how we fight a battle. It's not just standing in our armor. It's praying in all occasions. Come on, let's sing it out. When I open up my mouth, miracles start breaking out. I have the authority. Jesus has given me when I open my voice and shout. Every wall comes crashing down. I have the authority. Jesus has given me when I open up my mouth. Miracles start crying out. I have the authority. Where's it come from? The Jesus has given me when I lift my voice and shout. Every wall comes crashing down. I have the authority. Jesus has given me. You are my champion. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. Every battle you've won. I am who you say I am. You You crown me with confidence. I am seated in the heavenly place undefeated. By the power of your name, I am seated in the heavenly place undefeated by the one who has conquered it all. Okay, listen up. Listen up. We're going to sing that part one more time. But for each of us in there, we might have a giant or a wall. When we speak, giants fall. When we shout, walls fall down. If you need a miracle in your life, we prayed about it a little bit before, this would be a time where you put into practice the act of prayer. Some of you are going like, well, I don't don't really know what that might be right now. Well, then just use this as a practice round. This is preparation. We're learning to fight a battle in the spirit. I want you, wherever you are, just to begin to pray. Just pray for that one area, that one area in your life that you need to see a breakthrough. You go, well, I don't know what it would be. Well, then pray for someone else. Turn around and look at someone in the room and say, that guy over there, I don't even know what he needs, but God, I pray right now. All occasions, all kind of prayers. Would you put blessing in their life? Give them confidence. I pray that their joy would be restored, that they would have a unique perspective for the season that they're in, no longer defining it by discouragement, that faith would rise up that grace would prevail, that unity would be built. Come on, let's pray, Vivid Church. We're taking a moment in battle. We're praying together, believing the power of the name that God has given us. He says we can stand in the authority that comes in his name. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Shut up. Come on. We're going to sing that again. When I open up my mouth. And when I open up my mouth, miracles start breaking out. I have the authority. If you believe that's true, Jesus come on, let's sing it out to the champion of our souls. When I lift my voice and shout, Every wall comes crashing down. I have the authority. Jesus has given me. When I open up my mouth, miracles start breaking out. I have the authority. Jesus has given me when I lift my voice. When I lift my voice and shout, 
every wall comes crashing down. I have the authority. Jesus has given me. Come on, sing it out. You're my champion. And you are my champion. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. Every battle you've won. I am who you say I am. You crown me with confidence. I am seated in the heavenly place undefeated. By the power of your name I am seated in the heavenly place undefeated with the one who has conquered it all. Come on, let's give God some praise in the place. Come on, if you believe it, the battle belongs to the Lord. He's fighting our battles. It's our job to take our stand. I want to tell you, the day of evil looks like a Monday or a Tuesday, perhaps a Wednesday, Thursday, sometimes on Friday, Saturday, always on Sunday. The, the day of evil, the schemes in your life, they come when you least expect them. So always expect them. Let's take our stand. Let's stand strong and be the people that God has called us to be. Amen. Hey, man, I love you so much. Have the best week. Be back next week. We got week three of Therefore. It's going to be awesome. Love you guys. Have the best week. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.